I'm Brianna. I'm Sarah. And we are the, the Squad, Squad Ghouls. <laughs> Just a couple of creepy gals that love creepy things. Man, we do. <laughs> hey, Sarah. Hey, Brie. Do you know why skeletons are so calm? I don't know. Why are they, Brie? Because nothing gets under their skin. But I'm bummed. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> hey, uh, oh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, hey, Brie. Hey, Sarah. Where does a ghost go on vacation? I don't know. Where do they like to vacation? Malibu. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, these are so great. <laughs> There's nothing better than a good Halloween joke. Yes. How you got, doing today, got more where these come from. Right. <laughs> we got a list. I am doing great. How are you? I'm good. I think it's definitely been a week. Dear God, it has. I just... So much going on in the world. <sighs> and, you know, not only with COVID, but, you know... We can't be nice to people in the U.S., apparently. Yeah. So it's just been a little rough to see everything that's going on and everybody that's affected by it so i know oh, come on guys let's can we all be friends let's let's <laughs> let's unlearn all of the terrible things that past generations have learned and let's re- refrain from passing them forward please yes it just it, it weighs on your heart it really weighs on your heart i don't have words anymore but yeah just help me have my life of rainbows and puppies and unicorns and glitter please and <laughs> one day someday but in on a happier note we yes. have some ghouls news yes we have a facebook page Yay! Woo-hoo. it only took us like three weeks to figure out that it might well i mean you you said we should and then right. i just sat on it and didn't do it because sometimes Life gets a little hard, and I have the attention span of a barnyard hen, so I forget to do things. <laughs> but we're glad that people are going on our page and, and liking us. Yeah. But please make sure. Um, we're going to post updates, and you can message us on there. And also, once you know COVID is kind of over and it's safe to go outside, uh, we're going to make some uh, meetups and events so people can join in on the fun with us yeah man but also make sure that when you're listening to us or liking us on the page please comment and and rate us yes we love ratings we love reviews we love feedback if there's stuff that we talk about that you really really like and you would love to hear more of then definitely uh drop us a comment or drop us a message uh if there's something that you don't like please email us Yes, please. I mean, you can put it on our Facebook page, but it'll make us <laughs> sad. So maybe just email us at thesquadghouls at yes. gmail.com. Also, we are, we're definitely open to a corrections corner because I know some of this, you know, we're, you know, getting off the internet or just maybe it's our own personal experiences. But if we have something wrong, please tell us. <laughs> but I mean, you can always believe everything you read on the internet. So right, I don't exactly. know why you would need to correct us. Yeah, I always look up uh, medical things and they make me feel like I'm going to die. So. WebMD, man. Everything <laughs> ends in a brain tumor. Like, hmm, why is my eyeball twitching? You're going to die. Yep, exactly. I said, oh, I got this scratch. You're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's gangrene. Yeah. <laughs> Your whole arm is going to fall off. But other ghouls news, um, book club. We have a book club. Yay. 
join us in our our spooky book club. Yeah. So <laughs> next week's episode, uh, well, one of next week's episodes is going to be a book club review and discussion on the book The Stand, uh, and we picked The Stand by Stephen King because. Obviously, uh, it's about a pandemic in which 99.4% of the population dies and what happens after that. So we thought that it was very timely considering that we're living in a pandemic, but only 3.5% of people are dying. So it's, you know, less exciting. I mean, very very apropos of what's going on right now. (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, so we'll be discussing the the book during that time, and uh, we'll also be giving a sneak peek for our next book club book so that you can read it along with us. And then next month when we do that review, you'll be able to understand what we're talking about. Yeah. And if you guys have any book suggestions, also please comment or email us. Yeah. And I think I wasn't, I was an avid reader before college and then going into school I was forced to read so many things that I didn't want to read. And we all were. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. And, and nothing makes you not want to read or take away your love of reading, like being forced to read things that don't interest you or that don't inspire you. Like the grapes of wrath. Oh my gosh. We all had to read it. Wuthering Heights. So painful. I mean, I know they're the classics, but can we read some interesting classics, (laughs) please? (laughs) I mean, Mary Shelley had some classics. Exactly. A very notable classic. Yep. Mm, maybe that'll be the next one. Hell yeah, man. I'd be down for that. I would too. <laughs> anyway, can we get in our, we'll get in our booze news. Booze news. So uh, first up this week, Fangoria released their pre-order for Fangoria Pride Tees. Ooh. Yeah, so you can go onto their website and place your order for the Pride t-shirt. It's super cute. Uh, have you seen it, Brie? It's the um, yes. the Fangoria logo in the rainbow print. I love it. I love it. And I love everybody's getting ready for... June Pride, Pride month. month. I can't wait. I know. I'm I'm sad that the Pride events have been canceled. I understand why. Like yeah. understand not arguing with it. We need to keep everyone safe. Um it's always a little sad, but there's always some great virtual uh things going on in the world, so I'm sure that there will be some really great virtual Pride celebrations as well. Um and 100% of the proceeds for the Fangoria Pride tees go to Transform Clothing Exchange. Oh, that's great. I know. So great thing that they're doing for for the community and uh I pre-ordered mine, so hopefully everybody else goes out and pre-orders theirs as well. Oh yeah. I'll be getting on that soon. Yeah. Cuz I know there's so many Pride things coming up. I'm going to have to have a little money stash. <laughs> oh man, I feel like there's two seasons that I have to uh, budget for. One is spooky season to go to mm-hmm. all the fun activities, and then the other is pride season. Yep. Because <laughs> there's so many great things it's like there. Just take all my money. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a couple, well, one movie that's been pushed back. Uh, Last Night in Soho, it was one of the highly an- anticipated thrillers uh, for 2020. Um that is being pushed back to April 21st, 2021. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people were excited, but we'll just have to wait a little bit longer. Um, Edgar Wright, who did Baby Driver, he wrote the script with uh, uh, Kristen Wilson Cairns, and who writes for Penny Dreadful. Oh, the, the OG Penny Dreadful is yep. my favorite. It's so good. Yeah, not too much of the new one I like, but I am watching it, though. I am, too. I'm, I'm trying to give it a little more of a chance, but... I'm a couple episodes in and I'm not 
I'm not super excited about it, which I was, I'm a little surprised by considering that it takes place during a time that I really, really love. And right. and it's got Nathan Lane in it, who oh. I want to be best friends with Nathan Lane. Yep, me too. I just, I do. <laughs> and I love Natalie Dormer too. Um, so I'm, it's, it's a little slow for me, but the, the OG version was just so good. Yeah, it was really good. But hopefully they'll keep this date and then we'll get to see this movie next year. I know that's happening to a lot of the movies because uh, they really want to get people back in the theater and, you know, enjoy popcorn. Like, like what I like to do. Oh God, popcorn. <laughs> so, I miss, you know, I think during this pandemic, that's, I don't, because I'm a total homebody. I mean, if I never had to leave my house again, I'd probably not be too bad off. <laughs> Um, but the one thing that I actually really am missing is going to the movies. Yeah. And eating pop- popcorn. Show popcorn's the best. One of my little favorite pastimes to do on a Friday night after work. I do kind of miss it. Just miss the whole experience. But yeah. apparently they're, you know, kind of fixing up movie theaters so that everybody's six feet apart, um, you know, all around. And they're, you know, doing different ways to uh, dispense the uh, snacks and everything. So... Hopefully soon we'll be hearing about that and we'll definitely tell you guys about it too as well. Save the popcorn. I know. <laughs> um, American Horror Story, their spinoff show is a go Hooray! for FX. I'm really curious how this is going to go. I mean, there's no there's no details on what it will be about just yet. And if any of you know Ryan Murphy, he definitely doesn't like to give away anything. Mm-mm. So we're all going to be kind of like squirmy in our seats <laughs> waiting to see what he uh, comes up with. But apparently there's going to be a lot of the, some of the same people that we know from pre- previous um, seasons from American Horror Story. So that's good. I'd give half my shoe collection to have Jessica Lang in it. Oh, and gosh. that's a big shoe collection. I mean, she said she wasn't going to come back, but I'm hoping Ryan Murphy is, you know, I don't care, Ryan Doing Murphy. Doing some good kissing, ass kissing. <laughs> Big barter and grovel. Do what you got to do, man. Yeah. Get Jessica Lang back because it just, I I adore her. And the seasons that she was in were just phenomenal. I know. Probably some of my favorites, I yeah. have to say. But, but also, uh, Amer- more American Horror Story news. Uh, season 10 is still delayed from shooting due to COVID-19. Do you know what season 10 was supposed to be about? I didn't see it. Mostly Apparently, due to lack of interest. Apparently... Just from some of the rumors that I've read online, apparently they're going to go back a little bit to um, season two, Asylum, when they were kind of going on the the alien abduction kind of stories. But it's a rumor. Nothing has been really said. The only things that we know is um, Macaulay Culkin is slated to be in it. Mm-hmm. Um also, Kathy Bates, one of my faves. Oh, she's <laughs> and great. supposedly they're going to have some like weird relationship. I don't know how I feel, okay, I don't know how I feel I, about I, it. But I'll give that a shot. <laughs> we'll see. I just, I was so, I, I couldn't even finish 1984. I think I watched three episodes, maybe four. Maybe I, I was. I liked it for what it was just because I think it was supposed to be the hokey 1980s, you know, horror film. And I mean, I get it. Of course, you know, I watched it all the way through. Of course. <laughs> because I never, <laughs> I never miss an episode. <laughs> you, you have, uh, you have a much larger attention span than I do and much more patience because I, as soon as they started incorporating the Night Stalker, I was a little bit excited about it. And mm-hmm. then as soon as they changed it to when Billy Lord had some 
romantic relationship with him going, okay, I'm out. Sorry. <laughs> I can't get behind this. <laughs> I mean, I, I like that he mixed in like a couple different stories in that one. But, you know, at the same time, sometimes it's just hit or miss. Like, it was hard. I feel like in the middle, it gets a little rough. And then sometimes at the end, it's good. Mm-hmm. And But the beginning is always like, it just hits you. It's like, yeah. bam, here, here's what it is. Mm-hmm. And then it, it like slows up a little bit. But I don't know. I feel like that's just kind of his formula a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, me. If anybody here have questions to what's happening on American Horror Story, I'm definitely one to ask because I will finish all of it. The whole season. <laughs> well, and I think I think 1984 is the only season that I could not finish. Even if there were some of them that I didn't care for, like Freak Show, didn't care for it. Um, but And most of the others were okay. I loved Murder House, loved mm-hmm. Coven. Apocalypse was probably my favorite because it was the crossover of the two. Yeah, I think you're naming like my three favorites yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, I even liked Roanoke. Yeah, I I did it. I feel like a lot of people don't talk about Roanoke, but I really liked it. I thought I, the reason why I liked it so much is because it was so creative. Um, it was different. It was filmed a, a different style, and and I like that they set it up as a documentary, and then mm-hmm. you know a reality show when they go back. I liked. I liked it. Yeah, and me too. I I don't feel like I got enough credit. Hotel. I, I liked yeah. Hotel. <laughs> it was okay. I just. I mean, I like the story that they they made of it. I I don't know because there's just a lot of those creepy hotel stories in L.A. and I like that he kind of played on that. We should, you know, now that you mention it, we should 100% do an episode about the Hotel Cecil Ooh. In, in downtown. Now, it's called the Hotel on Main now? Is yes. that what they renamed it to? Yeah, you can stay there. Yeah, we should talk about that one. <laughs> I don't know if I would, but we'll I mean, see. Yeah. I mean, why not? <laughs> um, but, well, anyway, so hopefully we'll hear when they'll start shooting, and hopefully we'll hear more of what the spinoff show is going to be about. That'll be great. Um Doctor Strange director Scott Derrickson is boarding on for the Labyrinth sequel for TriStar Pictures. Okay. <laughs> Here's the only way mm-hmm. I'm going to be okay with this. They need to completely rewrite the character of the Goblin King. Yep. Uh, because David, I mean, David Bowie is just such a huge part of my heart. He's, yes. he's the reason that I started playing music. I grew up listening to all of his albums. My dad used to play Aladdin Sane all the time. I I will not be okay with this if they have Jareth back in the existing form and someone tries to redo it. They tried, I mean, Disney tried to do it with Aladdin with Will Smith replacing Robin Williams and it, he, it just, he made it it his own, which I kind of liked. He didn't try to, I mean, no one can compete. With with Robin Williams, yeah, and the same goes, you know, for David Bowie. Right. I I feel like they're not going to do. I mean, they, I don't even know if there's even a mention that they're going to have that same character. I hope that they don't, and yeah. and that's what that's probably the only way I'll be okay with this because the labyrinth was such a huge part of my childhood, and I really hope that they completely if if they have some sort of a Goblin King character, mm-hmm. they need to completely rewrite it. Well, good news is Lisa and Brian Henson of the Jim Henson Company are producing. Hell so, yeah. And I know, you know, Jim Henson was a major part of the original movie. So hopefully it'll kind of have the same feel, but 
you know, not try to add in anything new to kind of ruin the feel of the original movie. <laughs> right. Case in point, Ghostbusters. Oh. Right? I was, you know, I got to say, I was really excited that it was an all-female female cast. I thought, you know, that it was going to, I don't know. I just thought it was going to be good. <laughs> Leslie Jones was the best part of that movie for yeah. me. Yeah. Well, and then now they're doing another Ghostbusters movie. Why? I don't know if you saw the trailer, but the trailer is out. Why? I guess people are just feeling, I don't know, a little nostalgic and they just want to recreate all these great movies. But I'm I'm the same as you. Like, I just feel like there's just some things that shouldn't be touched. Yeah. There's some things that you just don't do. It's like, come on, come up with new ideas. You can do it. <laughs> my My grandmother used to... Tell me all the time, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Exactly. Dear Hollywood, <laughs> just because you can, please don't. <laughs> Come up with new ideas, wait, uh, new ideas to scare us, please. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and well, something that's super exciting and uh, potentially is a glimmer of hope for Halloween uh, Disneyland and other theme parks in California have officially been added to phase three of quarantine reopenings. Woo-hoo! So this is such great news. Now, I'm not saying everybody flock to theme parks the day that they open because that's not responsible. Just because you're tired of being inside doesn't mean that the threat doesn't exist. Yes. However, this does give me some hope that they're figuring out ways to limit capacity and keep guests safe while they're in the park. But also it gives parks like Universal and Knott's time to do construction on their mazes because that's been the big deterrent and and the big question mark for Halloween is, you know, even if we do have a vaccine in place by October, even if we do have, you know, different safety precautions in place, the fact is a lot of the construction on all of these mazes and haunts has to happen between like, now and the beginning of september so hopefully this is good news there's Uh, hope for halloween there is hope for (laughs) halloween that makes me so happy but also still just be careful everybody even with these parks opening like just remember that the people who work there have to work extra harder so that you can be there and also remember that even if you are a healthy individual and yes, you may, you're not immunocompromised. You don't have a pre-existing condition. If you get sick, you'll probably be fine, but your 80 year old grandmother won't be, or your immunocompromised friend or the poor person trying to grocery shop who's fighting cancer and has zero immune system from chemo won't be. So please just wear your damn mask and wash your hands. Yes, please. Please. Keep, keep all these things alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, another good news, uh, Nosferatu came out with a season two trailer, mm-hmm. and they're going to go to Christmas land. So did you watch season one? I did. I, I So I, full transparency, I did not read the book. Neither did I. Uh, I truthfully We may have to add that. To book club. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't even know about it. Um, I did download it so once i heard that it was based that season one was based on a book so uh i will try to make that a priority to read but i'm actually super excited for season two i I like season one amc is you know they're stepping up their game well and zach zachary quinto was just so good oh gosh he was so good he's he's good at like almost everything he really is (laughs) i know it was really really good i i enjoyed the first season so i'm excited 
about this the second season coming out. Mm-hmm. And since we're recording this on the uh, the last day of May, it is important to note that someone would have been 109 years old uh, four years or four days ago. Who was that? That was Vincent Price. <gasps> The great Vincent Price. The great Vincent Price. Happy 109, Vincent Price. Oh. Wherever you are. Yes. Look over us. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, some interesting dark fairy tales that you should check out on your streaming uh apps this week um a couple of things uh there's one called freeway i mean some of you probably have seen it Mm -hmm. um it's on prime video it's with Kiefer sutherland and reese witherspoon Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a little different take on little red riding hood and then there's one called good manners on canopy i've never heard of that streaming service but i'm gonna have to try to there's so many now that I don't know if I, I feel like I can't keep up, but mm-hmm. um, basically they're just uh, reconfiguring a classic monster to create an original fairy tale kind of story. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also A Tale of Two Sisters that's on Shudder. Oh my God, it's so good. Yeah, I I, I watched it uh, just a couple of nights ago. Really good. I, I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes in uh, Korea or Japan, like they have like these dark and twisted you know, stories and they're just so amazing. And then, I mean, unfortunately, then it comes to the USA and they try to recreate it. It's oh man. Not good. Yeah. The original <laughs> Juan, the, the original grudge was great. Oh, yeah. uh, Ringu, the original ring. Awesome. Uh, Audition, which is a, another uh, horror film, a foreign horror film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, all I can say is, Oh, cause it, it feels like a punch to the gut the yeah. entire time. It's, <sighs> So good. There's uh, foreign horror does not get enough credit, and and this one's great. I think that's going to be another topic we're going to have to go through. Oh heck, because yes. there's just so many good ones. I agree, especially on Shutter too. Like I've just mm, you know I've oh been God. watching a lot. And and Shutter, uh, props to Shutter. They don't. My one complaint is there's not a lot of classic stuff yeah. on there, but their original stuff is so good. Yeah, it, I've been really enjoying having uh, my subscription with that. So. So this week, uh, in kind of continuing on with places that you can still safely visit and get your spooky on during uh, quarantine while a lot of stuff is still closed or very slowly reopening, uh, we decided to do one on cemetery wandering. So so we picked a few different cemeteries to talk about. Brie, what's the first one that you have? Well, you know my love of old Hollywood. Oh, yeah. I'm like a big history buff for that. <laughs> um, so I picked Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Hooray! Um, it's one of my favorite places to go walk around, um, especially when they do the Senespia. Oh, it's my favorite. I'm yeah. so sad the season was canceled. I know, but I mean, also, it's just... I, I yeah. get it. I get it. Yeah. I'm just sad. But yes, Sinespia is one of our favorite events to attend where you can go and um, watch a movie on their lawn. There's no graves on this lawn. Everybody asks me every time I go. They're like, oh, you're not creeped out. I'm like, no, because it's on a lawn where there's no bodies. (laughs) And they keep it clear because they have, you know, they have different events there all the time. Um, They had concerts, um, Mm -hmm. you know, different music events and things. Um, but it's it's a really good time. You know, you can bring your lunch and or, you know, just snacks for the movie. Bring your wine. 
Um, it's yeah, it's Emphasis always great. on wine. Yes, <laughs> big glasses. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I am going to talk about the little history of Hollywood Forever today. Um, basically, it's Hollywood's only cemetery. And it was founded in 1899 on 100 acres. So, yeah. And it was called Hollywood Cemetery before. So it wasn't Hollywood forever oh. yet. It's just interesting. <laughs> and it was uh, purchased by F.W. Samuelson and Lombard. They didn't have um, information on the first name. Um, so I've just, you know, I don't know. who. If anybody knows, please let me know so I can correct it. Um and uh, the two men were the owners of a 60 acres tract of land near Hollywood. And then in that year, uh, along with uh, Mrs. Gardner of Santa Monica, uh, Joseph Rodford and Gilbert Smith and Thomas R. Wallace, they formed a corporation known as the Hollywood Cemetery Association. Hmm. And the cemetery sold large tracts to Paramount Pictures, uh, which with RKO Pictures bought 40 acres by 1920. So, and then, so part of that uh, remaining land was set aside for uh, Beth Olam Cemetery. It's a dedicated Jew- Jewish burial ground for members of the local Jewish community. And it's beautiful. Yes. It's, it's gorgeous. Ah, it's just so beautiful there. <laughs> anyway, um, then in 1930, uh, 1939, Jules Roth, who was a convicted felon and millionaire, <laughs> he bought... Funny how those two things go hand in hand yeah, these I days know. in the USA. <laughs> I guess back then it was also very popular. <laughs> but uh, he bought a 51% stake in the cemetery, um, which is also the interment site of his own parents. Um, he used the, the money from the cemetery's operations to pay for his personal luxuries figure um and at that time the cemetery was known as hollywood memorial park and then um and then getting more into the the late 1900s or well 1990 then ah, can't even get it sorry 1990s <laughs> sorry the cemetery began to show signs of neglect and disrepair um and i'll get into a little bit of that later um just some things that happen um famously the actress Hattie McDaniel, best known uh, Mammy. as Mammy in Gone with the Wind, um, she, you know, as you all know, she was became the first African American to win an Academy Award. Super awesome! You go, girl! But uh, she expressed uh, a desire to be interred at the Hollywood Memorial Park, and at the time of her death, um, Hollywood Memorial, like other cemeteries, were segregated. Which I. I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, I, I never understand it, period. Like, it just... It doesn't make any sense. No, I'll get off my soapbox, but... Yeah. It, <laughs> I, I don't understand. Right? You know, it's just... It's it's sad, but basically, <laughs> because of that, um, Roth would not allow the actress to be interred in the cemetery. Um, Hollywood Forever would be uh, desegregated seven seven years later. But so in instead in 1999, uh, f- it was the 47th anniversary of her death. Oh, so long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the cemetery's current owner dedicated a, a cenotaph uh, in her honor at a prime location south of the uh, Sylvan Lake, which is it's a really pretty lake that they have there. Um, but it's sad that she didn't get to actually get buried there. I mean, I was hoping maybe 
somewhere later down the road, like kind of what they did with Judy Garland. Move like, her. They could just move her and put her where she wanted to be. I wonder if her family won't allow her to be moved because I know that that's sometimes a, a consideration for families right. of, you know, just let them lie where they are. I mean, I'm sure that's, a you know, a lot of of that reasoning behind that. And also just probably because of they were just so hurt, you know, that she couldn't go where she really wanted to be. Uh, 100% so, understandable. 100%. I could totally get that. But I mean, I'm glad that they, you know, created a little monument for her um, just to represent beautiful. where she wanted to be. Yeah, it's it's a really beautiful monument. And where it is, it's really beautiful. It's in a gorgeous part of the um, cemetery. If you go on, um, I think it's Find a, find a Grave. Yeah, I believe that's the website. Yeah. They have a picture of where she is actually buried, and mm-hmm. they actually and they have a picture of the monument um, at Hollywood Forever, so you can see little pictures of that. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1974, the the crematory was shut down after singer Cass Elliot was cremated. Uh, according to the cemetery grounds supervisor, the the crematory was in such disrepair that bricks began falling in around Elliot's remains. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> um, the crematory would be repaired and reopened 28 years later in 2002. Wow. That's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> I didn't so know that. That's crazy. <laughs> um, by the 1980s, the California Cemetery Board began receiving complaints from families of people who were interred there. Um, family members complained that the grounds were not kept up. Um, and they were disturbed to hear stories about vandalism on the grounds. It, just so sad people want to do that. Just leave, uh, for real though, just leave people's graves alone. Yeah. Why? It's, yeah, it's, it's really sad. It's, um, the heirs of the well-known uh, makeup artist Max Faxter, uh, sorry, Max Factor, I swear I had caffeine today. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, it's not going to make a difference for me how much caffeine I've had today. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry. So the, the heirs of Max Factor, who was interred in the Beth Olin Mausoleum in 1938, moved his and other Factor family remains to Hillside Memorial Park in Culver City after ma- after the mausoleum sustained water damage that discolored, discolored the walls. So a lot of things not being taken care of. <laughs> which Which really shocks me because... For such a notable cemetery with so many uh, notable internments, you would think that, I don't know if it's a funding problem or misappropriation of funds. I don't know what it is, but you would think that things would have been better kept up. Well, especially like we're we're coming into, you know, the the, the 80s, the 90s, like. We're we're closer to modern day, like our lifetimes. Yeah, it's just happening. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's really strange. But anyway, but in in 1986, a Los Angeles woman and a thousand other plot owners filed a class action lawsuit against the cemetery for invasion of privacy after they discovered that Roth allowed employees of Paramount Pictures to park in the cemetery while the studio's parking structure was going uh, undergoing construction. That That's just so weird. <laughs> You know, there's also street parking there. <laughs> well, but to be, I mean, to be fair, Sinespia lets people park inside. Oh, that's for true. For the movies, so. Yeah. And I mean, I can't I think of a bigger invasion of privacy than thousands of oh, people yeah. sitting on a lawn watching movies on the mausoleum wall. Yeah. it. Yeah. That's true. 
I wonder, I'm going to have to look up later and like, why they, <laughs> they started that back up here and think about that. <laughs> but, um, well, in the late uh, 1980s, Jules Roth needed to settle tax bills and maintain his lavish lifestyle. <laughs> As one does. Yeah. So he sold two lawns tolling three acres that were facing the Santa Monica Boulevard front of the property. Uh, it was reported that the property was paid for with cash. Those lawns are now strip malls that house among other oh, businesses. Oh, no way! Yeah. The, the little strip malls across the street from when we camp out, those were all part yep. of the original cemetery? Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. So, like, where they have the little, like, auto parts store and that the laundromat. That subway that we always go buy cookies at and pee at before the movie starts. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that actually used to be part of the cemetery. Interesting. I hope there's no bodies under there. Oh, God. I hope not. <laughs> That would really suck. Yeah, that that would be terrible. It's like poultry to get poltergeist. You missed a spot. I know, right? <laughs> Got ghosts back making uh, subway sandwiches. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, after the 1994 North uh, Northridge earthquake, Roth could not afford to repair the roofs and other damage the earthquake uh, caused to Crips. By that time, Hollywood Memorial was no longer making money and only generated revenue by charging families. Uh, $500 for uh, disinternments. Oh, God. It, Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> In 1997, Roth became ill. And after he fell in his Hollywood Hills home with all his lavish lifestyle, mm. <laughs> um, he had been embroiled in a scandal regarding other cemetery, another cemetery he owed, uh, Lincoln Memorial Park in Carson, California. Uh, several months before his death, Roth was beridden and disoriented, and during his time, his will has changed to provide for his business associates, associates and maid, who were the only witnesses to his signature. His relatives, who were listed in the previous will, were written out. That's okay. I got disinherited, too. It's not that bad. Womp, womp. <laughs> Roth died on January 4th, 1998, and he is he's interred next to his wife, Virginia, and his father and his mother in the cathedral mausoleum. You mean he didn't have to sit in the crematorium that was falling on top of him? Because <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> Yeah, well, and but after that, the state of California had revoked the cemetery's license to sell its remaining interment spaces. Mm. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> after Roth's death, the current owner discovered that the cemetery's endowment care fund meant to care for the cemetery in, you know, in Pepper. To t- perpetuity? Base- yes, perpetuity. Thank you. <laughs> uh, was missing about $9 million. A rounding error. Yeah. In accounting, we call that a rounding error. Mm-hmm. I'm totally kidding. It's a big rounding error. Yeah, really big. <laughs> uh, the owner also claimed that he discovered Mr. Roth's bust was in, in an antique shop. Hmm. Yeah. It was part of his personal artifacts, and I guess they were sold in auction. So um, those owners purchased the now 62-acre property that was on the verge of closure in a bankruptcy proceeding. In, in 1998 for $375,000. Uh, they, they renamed the cemetery Hollywood Forever and set out to give it a complete restoration, investing millions in, redevi- in revitalizing the grounds and also offering documentaries about the deceased that were, you know, there in the kiosks and everything. Nice. So they, they bring a lot of history. They brought a lot of history back and 
I'm I'm glad that they they did that. You and me both. <laughs> um, and then since 2002, we mentioned you know they started the weekends and during the summer and on holidays the gathering called Senespia. And it's held, the screenings are held on the Douglas uh, Fairbanks lawn and films are projected onto the white marble west wall of the Cathedral Mausoleum. Uh, also, music events have been taking place there. The first one, uh, well, one, I wouldn't say the first one, but one of the big ones was uh, on June 14th and 15th in 2011 when the Flaming Lips played there. And it was like, they and they also filmed their uh, music video there. Lana Del Rey played there too. A few years ago, and I'm so sad I missed it. So sad I missed it. Yeah, that would have been really, Mm -hmm. really, really good to see. (laughs) Um, But just some of the um, notable celebrities that are interred there. Um, Cecil B. DeMille. Check Uh, the gate. (laughs) Um, Chris Cornell. uh, Mel Blanc. I love Mel Blanc's uh, tombstone because this epitaph says that's all, folks. Yeah. It's perfect. so great. <laughs> uh, Faye Ray. And as I mentioned before, Judy Garland uh, just recently mm-hmm. got moved there. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Toto is also buried there. Yeah. So cute. <laughs> uh, the famous Vampira. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jane. Well, Jane Mansfield, she has a, a cenotaph there. I thought, originally I thought she was buried there, but I looked more into that. She is not buried there. Oh, she just has a monument. Yes. But if you do want to see... Uh, Subtle plug, uh, if you do want to see the car that she was killed in, you can go across and down Santa Monica Boulevard, like a block, and go to Dearly, dearly Departed Tours in Hollywood. Yes. Um, you can't take pictures, but they have a very small museum there, and they actually have the Jane Mansfield death yes, car. they do. And it's it kind of takes your breath away to look at yeah. what's left of that car. It's very haunting to look mm-hmm. at. Um but also, we'll be talking about them soon, too. Yes. <laughs> Just to plug that in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, other ones, uh, Johnny and Dee Dee Ramone, mm-hmm. Bugsy Siegel, uh, Rudolph Valentino, which has a really interesting story. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of The Lady in Black. Mm-hmm. Not the movie. Not the movie. The actual person who dresses in all black has a, a black... Um, uh, shawl over and everything covered her face and she always would come and give uh roses on Valent- uh, valentino's mausoleum and every year on the anniversary of his death they actually reenact that which is pretty cool mm. one of these days i'd like to go and see it um also just recently anton yelton he mm. was so young so, so tragic sad. what happened to him um, but I'm, I'm glad they gave him a beautiful resting place. Uh, some A few others, uh, Charles uh, Chaplin Jr., uh, Dick Dale. Well, Dick Dale, yeah. uh, <laughs> not to disclose where I previously worked, but Dick Dale used to buy uh, some of his instruments and shop at a music retail store that I used to work at. Oh. Yeah, and he is, like, the nicest, sweetest old guy. Like, yeah. He was super respectful, um, just... He's really nice. He's a great guy. I liked yeah. him a lot. Um, also, Marion Davies, uh, Victor Fleming, and a Pure Lori, and Laurie. and Mickey Rooney, and there's just so many more. Um, you can look up online. Uh, there's a map that you can see where everybody's interred. So if you want to, you know, go around and look. But just remember, just you know, please stay respectful. Yes, please be respectful. Please don't trample on people's graves. Uh, 
Please don't drop your cigarette butts on that people's too. graves either. Don't be a litter bug. If you're going to smoke, please be respectful. Yeah. That's definitely one thing that I'm careful about when, you know, we're going to Synespia. Um, you know, I always pick up all of our trash. And if I see trash, I'll pick it up and throw it away. Um, and I also, I don't walk all over the grass on the grave sites. I mm-hmm. walk on the pavement only. Yes, yes. Because that's just me. I just, you know, mm-hmm. want to be respectful. <laughs> Although it's, it, it was still, I think, what did we go see last year? We went and saw Rear Window last year. Yes. And the the best part about being on the Douglas Fairbanks lawn is that Alfred Hitchcock's oh. grave is right behind you. Why did I not mention it? Well, well no, it's, it, it's great because it was like getting to watch his movie with him. Yeah. It was so neat. Yeah, that but, was really yeah. cool. Forgot to mention, yes, and Alfred Hitchcock is buried there. <laughs> there's, One there's of my favorite list. directors. And <laughs> but to be fair, there's a long list of famous people. Yeah, there's there. so many more that I, you know, didn't mention, and so many great, you know, Hollywood um, actors and actresses. A lot from, you know, the silent film era too. Mm-hmm. So but anyway, but yeah, go check it out. It's open. Yeah. For your COVID nineteen safety pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, one of the two that I picked this week is the Granary Burying Ground in Boston, Massachusetts. Oh. And I picked this one because I've actually gotten to go there before on a trip to Boston. Um, it's oh, nice. n- it's not huge, um, but it's got so much history behind it. It's If you happen to either, if you live in Boston or Massachusetts, I'm sure you've been there. Um, but if you happen to go visiting, it's just full of a lot of history and a lot of American patriots that Ooh. lived there. So uh, the, the Granary Bur- Burial Ground was originally built in or founded, I guess, in 1660. Um, and it is the third oldest cemetery in Boston. Um, it's And it's like I mentioned, it's the final resting place for a ton of notable Revolutionary War area folks, including Paul Revere. Oh. Um, and it actually houses three signers of the Declaration of Independence. Um, those people being Samuel Adams, John Hancock, and Robert Treat Payne. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, again, it's not super big, um, but it has 2,345 different grave markers, but it's estimated that as many as 5,000 people are buried there. Wow. So it's not even half of them that are marked. Kind of creepy. Yeah, that's a, a <laughs> mega disturbing to me. Yeah. All right. So it was the third cemetery that was established in Boston. Um, and it uh, the need for it actually arose because the King Chapel burying ground was not sizable enough to meet the city's growing population. Uh, so they actually had to add an extra cemetery. And it was known as the South Burying Ground until 1737. And then it took the name the Granary Burying Ground. Um, and it, stu- it currently stands on the site of uh, present-day Park Street Church. So there's actually a couple of... Um, YouTube walkthroughs that you can do of it. So they actually show you, you know, where the church is and, and where exactly it is on Tremont street. Um, so it, super old part of Boston. Uh, and then in 1830, they actually attempted to change the name and uh, to uh, Franklin cemetery to oh. honor Benjamin Franklin. Oh, who fun fact is not buried there. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, he's buried there? No. Uh, he's buried in Philadelphia because that's where he lived most of his life. Right, okay. Um, however, there is a humongous obelisk in the middle of the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Like, it's 
we're talking like Washington monument size. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, obviously I'm exaggerating a little bit. It's not that big, but it's massive. It's like the biggest thing in the middle of the cemetery. Wow. Um, his parents are buried there and, oh, okay. and other members of his family are buried there, but he's not. He's in Philadelphia. Hmm. Okay. So they Let's tried see. to change the name to Franklin Cemetery. Didn't work. Yeah. So it's still named uh, the the Granary Burying Ground. Okay. Um, so they initially put some of the tombs in the back of the property because apparently, uh, and I didn't know this, a lot of Puritan churches churches didn't support or believe in uh, religious icons and imagery. Oh. Um. So. Instead of having all of, you know, statues and, and paintings and such around people's homes and, and what have you, uh, the people of Boston used tombstones as an artistic outlet instead. Oh. So I'm sure you've probably seen this and anybody that's seen Hocus Pocus, obviously you've seen yes. this. Uh, it's the little uh, carving called the skull, the soul effigy, which is the little skull with, with wings on it. Oh, um, yeah. So yes. I, I didn't know this and I totally learned this. Um, it's supposed to be a representation of your soul flying to heaven after death. Oh, I didn't know that. No, I didn't either. So it's super interesting. Uh, and then in May of 1717, there was a vote that was passed by the town to expand the burying ground. And uh, they took part of the highway on the eastern side of the street and carved that out for extra real estate to accommodate more tombs. Oh. So they expanded it until 1720 and they created, you know, another 15 tombs for very notable Boston families at the time, which was really interesting. And it's, it's odd to see how all of these cemeteries have had to expand or contract yeah. to kind of accommodate the large metropolitan areas that they currently occupy. And uh, another super creepy thing, in 2009, they actually found an extra crypt on accident. Oh. So this is actually right around the time, might have been, actually, this would have been a year after I visited. Um, really? In 2009. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, man, I could have fallen in. Uh, so a tourist on one of the self-guided tours fell into <gasps> the ground. <laughs> oh, my God. And uh, what looked like was a stairway that was going down to a crypt. It's like my worst nightmare. <laughs> oh, I know. So uh, it had previously been covered with a piece of slate and just due to being two to 300 years old, yeah. uh, it gave way in the tourist went down in there um but they found a full crypt it's i think between eight and 12 feet and it's completely structurally intact wow yeah super interesting that's Um, so scary though (laughs) i know uh but they haven't buried people at granary burial ground i think until 1880 i think 18 uh, please correct me if i'm wrong but uh so you can't get buried there anymore but some of the more notable peoples we talked about the three signers of the declaration of independence um crispus attucks is buried there who was a victim of the boston massacre um so he and four other victims are currently buried there Uh, a woman named mary goose who some have speculated to be the original Mother Goose. Oh, really? Um, yeah. However, uh, Mother Goose stories actually predate her life. And, okay. and the name Mother Goose was already pretty popular in, in France by the time, she, like even before she was born. So it, it, it may not be her, but there's a woman named Mary Goose who is speculated to potentially be oh, Mother Goose. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then, you know, Paul Revere and so forth. So there's and tons and tons and tons of Massachusetts governors, statesmen, um, a, a lot of folks that had to do with the Revolutionary War and the founding of the country. So it's open right now. If you are in the Boston area or you happen to be taking a trip out for whatever the reason, uh, check it out. It's not huge. It takes you maybe, I, I, when I did the guided tour, I want to say it was like an hour to get through there. Um, but super interesting. Oh, lots of history there. Nice. Well, since you're uh, in Massachusetts, I also picked one that was in Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> More specifically, Salem. Yeah. Because we all know those cemeteries are filled with many people who were accused of being witches. So mm-hmm. I had to pick one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just, I mean, Salem also really big on just a lot of history in that in that city. Oh, yeah. Uh, so definitely one of the places I would like to visit. Um, it's definitely on my list. Other than New Orleans, Salem is, I've got to say, like, number two. I've been wanting to get there. But I picked the Howard Street Cemetery. Um, and it's the one of three cemeteries that are significant to the 1692 witch trials. Mm. Um, the Howard Street, his, um, Street Cemetery is said to be where uh, Giles Corey was taken to be pressed to death. Oh, yeah. Of all the ways to go. Yeah, I'll get into that a little bit oh. later. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just crazy. It's just I can't believe that they would pick that as a um, torture to be chosen when he refused to stand trial. Like that's. <laughs> well, when you read when you read about this stuff, you're like, man, people are just so. Yeah barbaric it's just it's just crazy yeah Yeah, i'm just gonna um little history about um so the howard street cemetery established in 1801 it is located next to the old salem jail in downtown salem Hmm. uh just a couple of uh things about people that were buried there um before i get into the whole salem witch trials (laughs) that story um some famous people bury their uh, Colonel Samuel Carson, who was with Washington at Valley Forge. Mm. Uh, William Brown, who was the commander of the ship Brutus. That uh, it was a shipwreck off of uh, Cape Cod. Um, there are also uh, five Revolutionary War soldiers and 17 sea captains buried there. Um, also, a portion of the cemetery is uh, dedicated to Salem's African-American population. Um, one of the more prominent residents of the African-American community to be buried there was uh, Prince Farmer. Mm, uh, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> he was a former cook on the vessel George, and uh, he opened his own business as an oyster dealer, um, and he died in 1852. Um, but the last person to be buried there uh, was in 1953. So after that, no one else has been buried at this location. Or full. No vacancy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, at least that we know of, at least. (laughs) Um, John Howard holds a unique place in the history of Salem. Uh, Both Howard Street and its cemetery in which he's buried are named for him. Um, It was actually formerly known as Branch Street, and they renamed it in 1828 for John Howard, who was a sailmaker and warden of uh, St. Peter's Church, and he was just a big, prominent resident of the community. Uh, During the the War of Revolution, Howard served on land as well as sea, and he organized and was the first president of the Salem Charitable Mechanic Association. 
Uh, he became active in politics and government, representing the general court in 1817 and serving as a selectman from 1819 to 1822. Uh, he was the last man in town to wear old-fashioned clothing, complete with silver shoe buckles. That's mm. pretty cool. I wouldn't mind having that shoe collection. Just yeah. saying. <laughs> Did you see... Um sidebar uh kat von d now makes shoes in addition to well she uh sold off her shares and took herself out of her makeup line so now it's no longer Kat. really Von-D. oh yeah you didn't know that i did not know that yeah she uh because she just had or maybe i too just much, missed it well she had too much going on so now she doesn't do um makeup anymore she sold off the her controlling stick of her company um, but she's been focusing on her music and shoes. So uh, she actually makes a shoe called the Coven that is like the old style, like the 16th or the um, 17th century style pointed shoe with the little silver coven buckle. Oh, wow. It's super cute. Ooh, I'm going to have to look that up. Sorry. Talk about shoes. shoe buckles. <laughs> sorry. You said shoe. I I'm started sorry. listening. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a trigger for you. I know. God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway sorry um so to get back on howard street cemetery um so when it did open uh the first to be buried there was a benjamin ropes who had been crushed to death while launching the four top mast of the ship the belisarius yeah that's not a way i want to go out no definitely <laughs> not man um, right next to that, uh, the Howard Street Church was built in 1805, and it's right adjacent to the cemetery. Um, here uh, was held one of the most elaborate and pompous funerals in the history of Salem. It was for uh, Captain Lawrence and Lieutenant Ludlow, uh, both ca- casualties of the Chesapeake uh, in the War of 1812. Um uh, other things about the church uh, it was well known for its uh, abolitionist stance, and they um, hosted many uh, lectures. And um, one of the preachers, uh, Charles Tory, uh, died as a result of a brutal abuse in the Baltimore jail for having helped freed four hundred slaves. Good on you, man. Yeah. Good on you. So I'm. I mean, I'm glad that they did something big on that. Oh hell yeah. Um, in 1871, the church was replaced by Prescott School, uh, named for the uh, blind blind writer William Hickling Prescott. And then, so now getting into one of the saddest, well, I mean, they were all sad, <laughs> but probably one of the one of the stories that we hear a lot about the Salem uh, witchcraft trials uh, is Giles Corey. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard the story. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, basically, he was executed by pressing with heavy weights until he was crushed. Ugh. Yeah, it's just not something (laughs) that I ever want to go through. (laughs) People are so barbaric. Yeah, it's like, why? I I mean, mean, your attack on on women is bad enough. Right. But also, please, I... Yeah, I just want to like go back in time and shake the shit out of people and go, what were you doing? Well, it's like so much of what happened back then is just kind of repeating itself. It, I feel like it. Yeah. It's... Some days it feels like we've learned nothing, <laughs> but just um, getting on a little bit of the history of the witch trials in case somebody doesn't know, they're basically typically, typically associated with women and girls um, and two dogs. 
<laughs> yeah, and two dogs. <laughs> yeah, right. I was just going to say that like during the trials, over 150 people were accused of witchcraft and two dogs. I would like to know what these dogs did. Peanut's a witch. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Sometimes she acts a little questionable. And, you know, maybe it's, it's the times that she sees things and barks at things that she sees stuff that I don't. Oh, yeah. She could be clairvoyant. She might be. I, I feel like my cats are. They see things that we don't. Right. <laughs> Whether they're ghosts or bugs or whatever. It's scary. Yeah, it's just crazy. But <laughs> so during the trials, if you maintained your innocence, you were most likely led to the gallows on uh, Proctor's ledge. Uh, if you pleaded guilty, you might be lucky enough to live. If you survive the terrible conditions in the witch's prison inside the dungeon. Um, in either case, you lost all your property. So you pretty much... They didn't have anything after, if, even if they survived. So in uh, Giles uh, Corey's case, he um, he wanted his land to go to his stepsons, um, so he refused to plead either guilty or innocent. Since he refused uh, his plea, he was subject to a cruel form of torture. And there is a French word for it, and I cannot... <laughs> I'm going to murder this. <laughs> Are you not up on your French that nope. I know that you took so much of in school? Yep. <laughs> Lost it all. <laughs> so it's a uh, piene forte et dur. If I said that wrong, I am so sorry. What does it mean? <laughs> Basically means we're going to crush your body. <laughs> But it sounds nicer when you say yeah, it in French. I know, right? Um, basically, it's a um, a shallow pit that's dug in the field and next to the dungeon where he was forced to lay down face first. And then a wooden door was placed on top of him. And then large, heavy rocks were then placed on the door. More and more weight was added over two days. And, I mean, he still, and he still refused to enter a plea. Um, in fact, his only plea actually was for more weight. Yep. Oof. So, like, speed it up. Let's just get this over with. Yeah, like, so, but basically, after all over time, obviously, he died. <laughs> um, he died on September 19th, 1692. And uh, he was, uh, after three days of the cruel and usual punishment, cursing the sheriff before he did, and his stepsons inherited his property as he wished. Uh, his wife, who was also... Um, accused during the um witch trials uh she was hanged three days later oh. yeah so um it, this basically all happened uh in the howard street cemetery um but he's buried in an unmarked grave so um to this day they have an idea of kind of where he is but they don't really know but they made like a little a little stone statue for him just saying like this is where it happened mm. basically it's really sad. Very, very sad time. <laughs> um, but people who have gone there, they've noticed like a lot of people walking around the jail. Um, people said they have seen Giles walking around. And so, I don't know, maybe that'll be just something we'll have to <laughs> check out when we go. <laughs> I'm, I, I hope that... Um things are are better for Halloween because I would love to when it's able to reopen I would love to do a little tour of Salem and yeah. do all the super touristy things like go to the the witch trials museum 
I'd love to go to that cemetery. Oh, yeah. I'd love to go get my tourist trap picture taken in front of the Hocus Pocus house. Of course. You have to. Have to. Um, <laughs> so hopefully things will be better by Halloween and we can go on a trip. Can I dress up as one of the Sanderson sisters? Can well, We would have to do it, obviously. Oh, okay. I'm just, just checking. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm glad you were in Massachusetts because when I saw this one, I was like, oh, yeah, I got to talk about this one, too. <laughs> Well, the uh, in kind of continuing on with haunted type cemeteries, uh, I'm super excited to talk about this one for a myriad of reasons. But uh, the other one that I picked is Bonaventure oh. Cemetery. Uh, so this is in Savannah, Georgia, which I think anyone in the spooky community has heard stories about how ridiculously haunted Savannah yep. is in general. And it's supposedly one of the most haunted cities in the U S that's another place I'd like to visit. Yes. Oddly I would, enough. <laughs> I would love to do uh, just this massive spooky haunted tour from new England all the way down to Florida um, and just hit everywhere on the coast. I mean, I, you know, cause why not do all the fun spooky things? Right. <laughs> um, so Savannah already has a ton of haunted history, uh, whether it's the Gribble House, the site of the obviously the Gribble Axe murders, the Pirates House, uh, oh, yeah. Marshall House, like there's there's so many great places to go. So it would only make sense that Bonaventure is uh, equally as haunted and creepy. So it was originally developed uh, on the side of the Bonaventure Plantation, um, and it's on this gorgeous, super scenic bluff above the uh, Wilmington River just east of Savannah. Um, And then that site was actually purchased for a private cemetery in 1846 and then became a public cemetery in 1907. Um, So it's been a world famous tourist destination for more than 150 years, mostly due to the tree line roadways, um, all the notable people that are buried there. Most uh, famously for its sculpture that is on all of the tombs and the archways and so forth. It's probably, if you just Google images of Bonaventure Cemetery, it looks like an art gallery. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's every, I I feel like every single crypt or tomb or resting place has something that's gorgeous. There's uh, a woman who's interred there who was a marathon runner. So they actually did a full sculpture of her running a marathon. Oh, that's cool. It's beautiful. Um, and then I'll talk about a couple of the more well-known ones as as well, but it's it's just absolutely beautiful. And it's open right now. So oh. if you are local to the area and you haven't checked it out, I'm sure you probably already have, but um, if you're local to the area, go check it out. If you're within driving distance, absolutely pay it a visit. It's just, it's beautiful. Mm. Um, but most notably, uh, it rose to prominence more here in the nineties as a result of the book that was written midnight in the garden of good and evil. Oh, love that book. So for those that haven't read it, uh, it is the book that's based on the true crime story of Jim Williams, Uh, who was an antique dealer based in Savannah. And he was the only man in Georgia history to be tried four times for murder, for the same murder, (laughs) I should say. Uh, So obviously there was a movie that Clint Eastwood uh, directed and and put out shortly after the book was written. I don't know that it did that well. Um, I liked it. I liked it too. I, I, I kept, liked the book as well. <laughs> oh, the book was, book was crazy. And the movie was pretty close on the book. 
I felt like, with the yeah. exception of they omit the fact that he was tried four times for this murder. Right, yeah. Um, that was probably the, the, the biggest difference, but one of the only differences. It was pretty uh, spot on. So Jim Williams was, like I said, an antique dealer who uh, murdered his assistant slash lover named Danny Hansford in 1981. Uh, so he was initially tried and convicted of the murder, and then he appealed for a second trial uh, and he was able to show that the sheriff that testified against him should not have been allowed to, uh, to testify as an expert witness. Oh, and also the prosecution introduced evidence in closing arguments, which you can't do. Interesting. So another retrial was ordered. So this third trial resulted in a mistrial due to a hung jury. There was one holdout. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was one holdout. So that resulted in another trial. Uh, and then the fourth trial, he was acquitted of all charges. Ironically enough, he died less than a year later uh, in the exact same spot in his house where Danny Hansford was shot dead. Ooh. Right? Now, so it, they talk about it in the movie, but in the book, too, they talk about a... Um, a voodoo priestess that he had been seeing named Minerva. <laughs> and uh, she had actually told him previously to uh, atone for what he did mm-hmm. and ask the boy, specifically she said, ask the boy for forgiveness, uh, to which he had said, you know, no, and he refused and he stormed off angrily. So would he have suddenly died if he had? Maybe not. Uh, who knows? But the reason why uh, this particular book and movie drew so much attention uh, to Bonaventure Cemetery is because the very famous Bird Girl statue yep. was featured on the front cover of the book and then subsequently used for the movie poster as well. So let's talk a little bit about the Bird Girl statue. She is actually one of four that oh. was that was created. So she was initially created by uh, a woman and a sculptor named Sylvia Shaw, who lived in Lakeview, Illinois. Um, and the first one was set in Massachusetts, and it's still there. The second one was set in Washington, D.C., but then was later moved to Pennsylvania. Uh, the I'm sorry, I said Lakeview, Illinois. It's not. It's Lake Forest, Illinois. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Correction. Um so then the third one uh, was actually purchased by a family in Lake Forest, uh, and it was never moved. It's still there. And then this fourth one was interred at Bonaventure, but uh, it's actually no longer there. It's been moved to Telfair Museum's Telfair Academy. Oh. So you can go see it there oh, cool. um, or in one of the other four places, the other three places that I mentioned. But it, it truly might as well be an art gallery because this cemetery is so beautiful, there's um, dozens of walkthroughs that you can Google and, and look at. And some people have posted some guided tours that they took of the cemetery. Um, a lot of history, a lot of notable burials. So Conrad Aiken, the um, novelist, he's buried there. Uh, actress Edith Chapman. Uh, Jack Lee, who was an author, but he was also the photographer that took the famous image of the Burr Girl statue that's, oh. the, that's on the cover of Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. So he's interred there. Johnny Mercer, oh. uh, the singer, he's buried there. Uh, actor James Neal, 
a sculptor named John Waltz. And then one of the other more famous uh, statues that's at Bonaventure is Gracie Watson. So she's a six-year-old girl who died of pneumonia. And in the walkthroughs that I've watched of the cemetery, her uh, tomb and her resting place is actually gated off and you can't get into it. Oh. Um, But people sometimes leave toys as offerings for little Gracie. And uh, there's a legend that says that if you remove these toys from her final resting place, that her statue actually starts crying blood. Creepy. Mega creepy. (laughs) What is it with the the creepy kids? It's always the kids. (laughs) Why? They're so scary. Um, But there have been a ton of spirit box sessions that people have attempted to do in the cemetery to, to contact various spirits and such. Um, it's super interesting and it's absolutely gorgeous. I highly recommend if you're in the area going to it, I'm going to hopefully make a trip out when, uh, this lovely pandemic is over, or at least when there's a vaccine. Yeah. I, I feel like my travel list is just getting longer. And longer. I know. <laughs> and then, and then I'm not going to be, it's, it's going to get so long that I'm not going to be able to complete it all. Mm-mm. No, definitely. <laughs> Just so many things to see. But also, like when we mentioned last week, you know, a lot of these places you can find virtual tours. And I know it's not the same, but at least, you know, just something to do while you're, you know, kind of quarantined in your house. Well, and then the other thing that I find, too, is doing doing a virtual tour first gives me a good idea also yeah. of if this is someplace that I want to visit when I go or uh, if and if it is, then I have a little bit of background. So maybe I can get additional info from the tour guide because there's one thing that I've learned and it's that uh, tour guides love it when you already know about the shit that they're talking about. Oh, yeah. Because then they just nerd out and go completely down the rabbit hole. <laughs> um, but yeah, I highly recommend doing one of Bonaventure. Oh, so many places to see. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Me neither. Seriously. <laughs> Well, that's our show. Yeah. Uh, Please, if you like us or, I mean, even if you don't, we'll be sad if you don't. But uh, rate us and leave us a review. Uh, Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at The Squad Ghouls. uh, And drop us an email if there's something that you would like us to talk about at uh, thesquadghouls at gmail.com. And creep it real. And we'll scare you later.